Welcome to this week's edition of the NPM podcast. Uh, joining me this week is Jonathan Vazdekas, the Executive Vice President of Development for Linnea Energy. Uh, welcome to the program today, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, John. Good to be here. So Linnea recently announced in its security capital commitment from NCAP Investments. Um, the company recently formed as an independent power producer and is currently targeting MISO, PGM, and ERCOT via Greenfield Development and Acquisitions. Um, before we get into talking about the Linnea story, um, I'd really be curious to hear about your story a little bit. It sounds like you spent a bulk of your career in development for onshore wind development, uh, first with Invenergy and later uh, Orsted. Um, just if you can talk about your experiences and learning how to develop projects there and uh, what you hope to carry over into uh, Linnea as you uh, embark on this new uh, new chapter. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, well, first want to thank you for having me on the show and a uh, big, big fan and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation and, uh, you know, talking about Linnea here. Um, you know, in terms of myself, uh, you know, I got my career started at Invenergy um, IPP. Uh, and so, you know, from, from that, my early days, uh, really had an understanding of, uh, what it takes to develop an asset that you're going to own for a long period of time. Um, and that means a couple things. One, you're going to have to get comfortable with the asset for a long, a long time. And you're also going to be in a community for, uh, a long time as well. And, um, you know, you're going to have an impact there with construction vehicles and the scenery is going to change. And of course, there's going to get more, uh, there's going to be more payments to uh, the local county officials. But, you know, you really have to have a good sense of ground game um, and really be present um, because you're going to be a neighbor. So I think that's one thing that um, having worked at IPPs, um, you know, as well, Invenergy, Orsted, Energy, which is now part of RWE, um, all owner operators, you know, really, uh, I, I'd like to come in and, and focus on community, um, focus on the individual landowners and relationships. Um, I think it's, it's critical for companies like ours to really show that we're there for the long run um, and that we're uh, a member of the community as opposed to coming in and, and just erecting turbines or uh, putting up panels. Um, that uh, we are uh, we are neighbors. Um, so that's that's a critical part of I think developing today um, as um, you know the challenges uh, we see tend to be around local permitting, et cetera. So that's been one um, one really critical uh, lesson I think I've learned um, you know throughout my career is you, you gotta you gotta show your face, you gotta, uh, put a face to the company name and show that we're people as well and not just uh, a faceless company that's coming in to, uh, you know, harvest the wind. Uh, great. And so um, as we come to uh, Linnea, um, it'd be nice to just hear about um, what some of its goals are going to be um, as, a, as a newer entrant into the market. Yeah, so you know, as a newly formed IPP, um, we want to own, develop, own, and operate um, the renewable energy assets, and we're looking 
uh, at wind, solar, and energy storage as our core technologies. Um, you know, what we want to do is kind of rethink development um, and sort of uh, take a few things that we've all, you know, from the company, Cassidy, Ben, myself, um, we have broad experience in different companies. We want to take uh, a lot of the good things that we've learned uh, throughout our careers um, and implement them here, um, as well as rethink a few things that we've seen um, done in other places and, and you know, really ask, how can we shorten the development timeline? Um, you know, there are certain aspects that have been very traditional um, in renewables in terms of uh, offtake and how you commercialize a project. Um, we are really taking a hard look at that and trying to buck the status quo and see if uh, there are other ways to actively manage our risk um, and shorten the uh, timeline on where you can get a project um, from uh, you know, site identification all the way to steel on the ground. So we think that that's one area where we can accelerate development. Um, and we're, we're really excited about you know, bringing some a standard um, sort of techniques that have been in the power industry for a long period of time and really applying those to renewables um, in a fresh way. Um, that's something that, uh, uh, you know, we believe hasn't been done um, as much in, in historically within renewables. And so that's something that we're trying to, uh, to kind of break out with. So, um, you know, that that's one one area. Um, the other area is sort of taking a money ball approach to how we develop. Um, we're really uh, analytical folks, um, and we're very scrappy. And so what we want to do is um, kind of take, there's a lot of data out there and really distill it and look at what's really important and try to find, you know, uh, where can we be three to 5% better than our competitors um, in inside identification. And that's, that's really something that we're, uh, we're focused on early on in the process. Um, and I think that's what's differentiating us um, right now. You know, we're, we're, Kind of taking a 21st century approach if not you know i like to say we're we're trying to be a 22nd century developer um looking towards the future so that's um th that's something that we're really excited about well along with uh, looking to achieve a higher on base percentage than your competitors um you did identify a few three markets out of the gate um ERCOT, uh, pgm and miso um for readers of NPM and everywhere else, obviously we've been covering the challenges of, of the queues in PJM firstly, and then onto MISO yeah. afterwards. Um, ERCOT's obviously a far more transparent market. Um, it would be nice, you know, I, I sort of posed the follow-up in terms of challenges, but before we get there, it'd be really nice to get your sense about why those markets held the most appeal for you because you could have put out a release and not identified any market quite yet. And I would sure. have okay, the world's a stage, but um, you chose those three. So be curious to get your views about why you chose them. Yeah, so um, candidly, you you kind of have to evaluate, okay, we're in renewables, we're in the power markets, we, we are focusing on liquid markets. So um, that sort of limits to where we're looking at right away. Um, and then from there, you know, you mentioned that the queue is uh, sort of in disarray in, in the different markets. Um, 
MISO relative to the others isn't as bad. Um, so that's one place where we've identified, okay, we can get into the queue. Um, yes, there are challenges there, but you know we've done this before. Uh, everybody else is dealing with it and we'll deal with it as well. Um, and so that's why you know MISO has available um, land, uh, you know, permitting in MISO is feasible to be done within a, you know, relatively, you know, accelerated fashion, I suppose, um, of course, depending on where you're at. However, uh, we feel that we can get megawatts in the ground in a relatively swift basis. Um, again, the, the investment horizon for these assets, you know, tends to be more than two years, right? So, uh, we keep that in mind when we're identifying sites. Um, and so that's why MISO is appealing to us. ERCOT, you know, similar reasons, but faster uh, in terms of how you can uh, get steel on the ground. So that's something that, uh, it, it, that's a big reason why such a young company like us, we want to um, prove that we can put megawatts in the ground swiftly. And so that's why ERCOT is a focus as well. And then PJM, you know, I always uh, go back to PJM. It's the largest power market in North America. Um, even with the challenges that it presents, uh, you know, we believe it's going to be critical to participate in the largest power market. And so uh, we're trying to be creative in terms of how we enter the market there. Um, you have your traditional M&A approach. You know, we're going to be pl placing bets in Greenfield as well. But there are other avenues that we are exploring in terms of getting into the PJM market uh, a bit sooner than, you know, what face value would say, hey, you have to wait until 2026 to, to submit projects. So um, that, you know, so even though if it was easy, everybody would, would be doing it, right? And so um, we've identified those markets in the immediate term to be places where we're going to focus our, our resources on. And of course, you know, what's really important to us is that we not only diversify our technology, like I said, you know, uh, wind, solar, energy storage are our core technologies, but we also want to diversify geographies as well. So that's why we're not putting all our eggs in one basket um, in terms of, you know, ERCOT year one. Uh, we want to have a diversified geographic approach to our development as well, because um, that will help us ultimately manage our risk um, across the portfolio. So those are the reasons why we've identified three markets instead of just one or, or, or not one. We want to show, show our thesis is, you know, a, the diversified IPP. Um, that's kind of what we're coming out the gate as. Okay. Um, just in terms of the solar wind storage equation, is there um, any way you're leaning out of the gate just early on in terms of what you think you're going to be able to deliver First to the market. I mean, I, I'm sure it goes back to the diversification that you just mentioned. You ideally want that, but um, just wonder if you get any insights about what vertical is going to get more attention uh, over the other. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of what we 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 feel that we can um, deliver multiple technologies uh, fairly rapidly. Um, you know, candidly, solar is something that is on a shorter timeline than green on a greenfield uh, right. uh, basis than, than wind. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but we are looking at, um, you know, getting uh, our, our wind uh, assets going as quickly as possible um, and, you know, progressing with the other technologies as well. So, you know, as much as I'd love to say one's going to get done sooner than the other, um, you know, we have a lot of interesting things going on all at once in parallel. Um, and so we're hopeful that, 
you know, we can get some steel in the ground um, or at least start pushing dirt in 2024 on maybe one or more technologies. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if you were to ask me from a greenfield perspective, I'd expect that our, you know, solar and energy storage assets would be progressing uh, more swiftly through the permitting um, and, and environmental studies, um, you know, on an accelerated fashion, just given the nature of the technologies. Uh, but, you know, we, we are uh, definitely focused on getting new wind, um, you know, stakes in the ground. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of behind that question, it was more like, well, people talk about a, sort of a lack of onshore wind development opportunities today versus, say, a, a decade ago. Sure. On one hand, and then um, as we talk about ERCOT, you know, storage is like the only thing popping in my mind at this point. Um, to your point about uh, M&A being part of the strategy, obviously there are a lot of projects looking for homes. There's more comfortable, um, there's a comfort, sorry, with the merchant storage market there, obviously, um, as evidenced by the recent um, ITC tax closing of those those projects. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, those were the two things that come to mind uh, there. Um, but um, obviously, I, I assume you're well aware of them, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, in M&A, there's a, there's ten, there tends to be a lot more solar assets and, and energy storage assets in the market right now than wind. Um, I think that that is a signal uh, as an opportunity for us to go source uh, new wind, uh, mm -hmm. for example. Okay. But that doesn't mean also that there isn't any wind out there. Um, you just, uh, you know, have to know where to look, I suppose. Sure. So let's talk about the supply chain. Um, obviously, uh, it's 2022 should probably go down as a transformational year. Uh, as far as that bit is concerned, you know, years of having a pretty predictable curve um, in terms of costs and PPAs, uh, the, meaning, you know, the, the curve was going down and, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was becoming cheaper and efficient. And then, um, you know, with uh, COVID and then Oxen and um, this, you know, the lingering supply chain crisis, it just went back in the other direction. Um, and so, you know, we wound up, um, you know, from our side, covering plenty of PPA renegotiations, just as much as we were covering new project developments. Um, and on a much bigger scale um, in the Northeast, we saw this through a couple of the offshore wind PPAs, which is quite significant. Mm -hmm. um, but what is um, your guys' view on um, the supply chain in general? It'd be nice to get some sentiment there about um, when, when you think about building up your company, you know, what direction do you think you're going to go? I mean, and before you get into the answer, um, you know, this past week, again, gave us some interesting answers, um, some big developers doubling down with their agreement with First Solar. Um, and so now they're, they're 24 and 25 had been handled. And now they're 26 and 27 and 28 had been handled through um, their Series 6 and Series 7 modules. Um, really by bypassing A, you know, waiting for the domestic supply chain to come up besides First Solar, so there was a willingness to pay that premium and mm -hmm. be probably not waiting around to see um, what what the if the final ruling is going to be on Oxen too, um, which there's still, you know, plenty of uncertainty around there and, and how that's going to proceed. So against that backdrop, it would be nice to kind of have your views on um, that part of the world. Yeah. So when it comes to supply chain, 
relationships is really where everything starts. Um, and so we've partnered with NCAP, of course, as our, uh, our backer, and, and they have uh, amazing relationships um, in the supply chains um, throughout the industry, you know, solar energy storage, uh, you know, being the largest energy storage or backer of energy storage buyers in the past couple of years, right, with Jupiter and Broadreach. So, um, you know, we feel that we're, we're building those relationships, um, we're leveraging our existing relationships. Um, and, you know, it, it's always a concern for everybody. Um, the candidly, the amount of megawatts that we need in the United States of renewable energy is going to outstrip any uh, sort of supplier um, domestically, especially in the near term. So you're going to have to, you know, find suppliers um, overseas. Um, that's just uh, a fact of the way the markets exists in the U.S. Um, so uh, we're really focused on uh, building our initial relationships um, and, and building our pipeline to leverage uh, with those relationships as well. So, um, you know, really, I'm, I'm really focused on projects right now um, and, and, and having supply chain issues is, would be uh, great in the sense that we have a lot, of, a lot more projects than uh, materials. Um, so that's uh, something that we are uh, working towards and, and, you know, you know, panels, right, aren't the only uh, materials that have uh, constraints. Um, you know, over the years, we've seen steel, turbines, uh, blades, you know, there are all these constraints that have popped up over um, my, my career in development, and they have affected, you know, what is being built when. Um, and I think the market has always sort of figured out what, you know, <clears throat> an efficient way to deploy those uh, resources and projects. I will say, you know, with the IRA, um, with the uh, domestic production ramping up, it's, it's going to get easier. Um, I think it's, it's a crunch right now, uh, but, you know, I, I'm optimistic of the supply chain story. I think COVID really accelerated um, the constraints uh, that we're seeing right now. And I think with, uh, you know, with the policymakers being really cognizant that supply chain is a, a major issue, um, you know, I, I expect that we'll see additional support, um, you know, to incentivize, you know, more domestic production, and or uh, ultimately come up with a market efficient approach to, to how, how we can make sure we have the materials to build um, the, the assets that will help us meet our renewable energy goals across the nation. So, um, you know, it, it, a long way of, I'm, I'm a very market oriented person. Um, and so I, I do think we'll figure it out, but in terms of how we as a company will solve it, it'll be initially leveraging our existing relationships um, identifying new partners as well um, to work with um, and, and kind of proving ourselves, right? Showing that we can uh, build uh, assets and build good assets. Um, and, and I think folks will want to work with us as well there. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely optimistic on the supply chain side of things for sure, though. Okay. Thank you for that. Um... Let's talk about the NCAP investment and um, 
how you think it'll sort of uh, accelerate um, the growth of the company uh, from your perspective. And then to tie it into my earlier point about challenges, um, because it definitely ties into it. Um, obviously, the world has started to turn or revert to an IPP model in some ways in the renewable world. Um, we've seen plenty of capital uh, change hands through the back half of 21 and some transactions uh, that got effectuated early in the fourth quarter of 2022, it's become bigger, it's become larger. And um, obviously the the notion that there's few developer owners of size is no longer, like there's more people capitalized like this. Mm -hmm. um, and so it'd be a good, but besides talking about NCAP, it'd be a good, uh, good, good sequitur to uh, hear about your thoughts about competitive right now, competitive is right now in the market and how you're looking to overcome um, that particular challenge. Sure. So, uh, you know, NCAP is a great partner to have. They've, they've done this before. Um, they are very one experience in the industry. Um, all, all their, all the managing partners and the firm in general um, have deep renewables experience, deep power experience, um, entrepreneurs and also, um, you know, really understand risk and development. Um, and so they're, they're providing us with great guidance. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, financial resources to help accelerate our growth um, and the decarbonization of our grid. Um, so we believe that uh, because they're the right partners for us, um, that, you know, we're, we're really excited to, to kind of build the rocket ship um, and, and have uh, a lot of rocket fuel, uh, you know, supporting us. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the competitive landscape, um, it's, it's quite crowded, right? Um, you know, you have your Yankees and Red Sox, um, and we're, we're the new kids on the block right now and, and as a company, right? But we, we've been there uh, in the industry and we've worked at big players, um, so we know what's going on. Uh, but that, that's where, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, sort of front run things a little bit and, and just be really analytical and, and look at things a little bit differently than what I think people have historically done. When you have a huge portfolio and huge mandates of uh, deploying resources, you know, to, to, for, uh, you know, the capital markets, right. You've come out with a commitment that you're going to deploy this many dollars um, that <clears throat> that is great, uh, but it also can be constraining on one end where you're, you're not focusing on, uh, as much of the sort of uh, R&D part of how do you develop, you're just trying to deploy your capital and, and, and really focus on getting steel in the ground as opposed to maybe citing new sites. So a lot of, a lot of players are overpaying in some instances for, for certain assets to, to really deploy their capital. What we're trying to do is identify locations where we can build really high quality megawatts um, and, and where we feel comfortable managing our risk. Um, and so it, it's almost in a way we're, we're, you know, being, being nimble and agile, I think favors us to really enter a competitive landscape, uh, because I think what we're trying to do, uh, would take 
a, a longer time to get certain board approvals uh, and, and investor approvals um, where, you know, our investment thesis is already approved by NCAP, right? So um, we're, we're trying to be really analytical when we look at the grid um, and the markets and, and really identify locations where we can uh, place bets where maybe others have yet to, uh, to, to go. Um, and so uh, that's, I will acknowledge it's an ex extremely competitive field right now. Um, but I also love that. I think uh, it's, it's great that we're in a competitive industry because that means that um, as a consumer of electricity, ultimately we'll have uh, lower power prices and everything. So um, I think the markets will, uh, will sort of figure out, you know, cost of electricity, LCOE and everything. And, and we're, we're doing our best to, to help bring that down, but also ensure that, you know, a couple things, one, we're, we're decarbonizing the grid while we're doing that. Um, and two, we're, we're uh, creating value uh, for, for our uh, investors as well. Great. Uh, to conclude our program today, uh, let's talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which uh, it's a question that comes up now regularly in our podcast. But of course, it's always good to get different perspective. I think it's it's very important. And I know it's tough right now. Um, you know, there is a lion's share of the guidance that is out currently from the IRS. There's still more to come. Um, you know, from the feedback we received from the February 13th guidance, it was on, it seemed only like part one to them, like they needed to see more about how the adders were going to work. Um, but I guess from your perspective, Jonathan, it would be good to just maybe in your mind, just highlight certain parts of the bill that you think will be advantageous as you build up your, your footprint. Yeah. So, uh, one I'm happy that the IRA, of course, I'm thrilled that the IRA passed, not just happy. Uh, but uh, it, it really gives the industry the signal from the policymakers of certainty um, when it comes to the incentives that are available for our industry. I think, you know, we've dealt with the PTC and ITC cliffs so many times that that additional certainty is just is craved um, by the industry. Um, and I would actually challenge our, our lawmakers to, to embed it in the tax code for once and for all, so we don't have to keep uh, going you know, back to Congress to uh, re-up uh, renewable energy credits um, and investment, you know, production tax credits, investment tax credits um, for you know, these technologies um, and to treat us like they do with any other uh, energy infrastructure technology as well, um, embedded in the tax code. So I'll, I'll, I'll say, yes, I'm happy about it, but I would love to challenge the policymakers a little bit more on that. Um, you know, and, and it's, I think, uh, you know, creating a solar PTC, I think it is great. Uh, it'll, it'll really incentivize efficient solar development. Um, and I think adding, you know, uh, uh, ITC for energy storage is excellent as well, much needed, uh, because now you'll see more of the standalone storage technologies that can really provide non-wires solutions to the grid um, that we so desperately need. 
Um, we desperately need wire solutions, but these non-wire solutions will will help uh, so much, um, and it'll accelerate, you know, the the modernization of our grid. And you know, the the grid is also in dire need of becoming more robust. Um, you know, we're seeing across the nation that it's aging infrastructure, and it, it needs to to be improved. And I think it'll certainly um, support that. So I, I'm excited for that. As well, and then you know the fact that new technologies are on the horizon with hydrogen. Um, you know that's exciting. Everybody's talking about it, but you know these are the sort of instruments that we need. You know it, it's great because we've seen the wind and solar industries really mature right now. Um, I, I would say you know when I first started my career, there were new technologies, um, and now they're really mature technologies, and a lot of it is thanks to the production investment tax credits. Um, and so I think, you know, the vehicle of, of uh, the tax credits for or, you know, uh, for hydrogen, um, I think is great. Hopefully that we can get additional um, incentives for new technologies to help accelerate decarbonization to accelerate uh, the maturity of these technologies, I think is really important. So um, I'm, I'm happy that it's a forward looking bill. Um, and I'm always going to challenge our policymakers to uh, be even more forward-looking so we can maintain our um, status in, in the world as a um, leader in, in terms of new technologies, in terms of decarbonization. I think it's um, critical that we do that from a national level. And so, um, you know, yes, this is a victory for now, and there's still things to, to hammer out in the IRA, but um, I think we need to continue pushing, um, you know, and not to rest on our laurels of, of this bill. What else do you think needs to be uh, added? What do you want to see more? Um, embed, let's start with embedding uh, either production tax credits or any of the tax incentives for wind, solar, storage in the tax cut. Okay. Um, that will give the industry absolute certainty on oh, uh, take out the time frame in other words make it exactly okay. yes um, because that has caused so many inefficiencies over the years in terms of how assets are being developed when they're being constructed you know you'd see um the sort of cliffs right uh, of of when wind would be deployed you know 2012 uh you'd see i think and then 2013 nothing would be built um, and then you, you'd, you'd run into that. And I think that that's not really a, a serious way to treat uh, infrastructure that is, um, you know, crucial to modernizing our grid. Um, so, and empowering people's homes at an affordable rate. Um, and that goes for solar, wind, um, energy storage, everything. I think we need to really uh, get rid of the um, the, the timeframes and just make sure that we're treated like, and, and all I'm really asking is for the renewable energy industry, uh, to be treated like the rest of the power industry, um, and energy industry, instead of being treated as a separate industry within the industry. I think right now that it's a, they're all proven technologies, um, and they should be treated like the way that they're acting on the grid. Okay. Well, Appreciate that sentiment. Uh, Jonathan, that's about all the time we have, but uh, thank you for taking the time 
Uh, and uh, I look forward to continuing seeing Linnea evolve as uh, I guess the open days of the uh, IPP world. Uh -huh. So th thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Take care.